0: At Subway, start your day the flavorful way by adding new guacamole to your favorite breakfast sandwich. Perfectly made with a hint of jalapeno, our guacamole turns up the flavor to your breakfast. Try it today on a hot and toasty egg white and cheese. Subway, eat fresh. Before we get started in today's show, I want to tell you about Stamps.com. Longtime sponsor of the BS Report. It's quick. It's convenient. More importantly, it's really, really easy to use. You do not have to go to the post office anymore. You can just stay home. Make your own office, your personal post office. You can avoid lines. You can avoid just standing there as somebody mails some package, some 79-year-old lady. Who needs that? Make your own mailing and shipping from your house. Stamps.com. Put in the top right of the site, BS. You'll get a deal and a scale and a whole bunch of other things. It's a great product. Uh, You can buy and print official U.S. postage using your computer and printer. Stamps.com will give you a digital scale. It will automatically calculate the exact postage for any letter, any package. They'll even help you choose the best class of mail. Wow. Why go to the post office? Just give it to the postman. Stamps.com, check it out. The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report. A sunny but chilly Monday here in Southern California. Uh, Almost a chilly Sunday for Cowboys fans. Almost a really devastating weekend for for Cousin Sal, who finally lost uh, his sports center pick. He had the Cardinals plus six and a half, and Ryan Lindley had to suffer through that. Then looked like he was going to suffer through a Dallas catastrophe. And then... You, you, you wired that check to the refs. Things turned around. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> I know you're just trying to get under my skin, but I'll, I'll I'll go along with it. You don't you don't actually think there's any collusion there or anything weird, right?
0: <laughs> no, I just think it was one of the most inexplicable calls in the in the history of the NFL that I've watched. I've been watching for forty years. I've never seen them call the pass interference and then pick up the flag. I've well, never seen the guy actually announce the penalty and then pick
1: it up. Well, it's not. But if one official doesn't understand the rule as well as the head official, like, like let's say you're about to um, ground your son for uh, like eating dirt or something. You say, that's it. I've had enough. Uh, you're grounded for a week. And then your wife says, hey, listen, we have this Dave and Buster's thing uh, in a few days and I'm carpooling and it's just weird if he doesn't go. So can we make it three days? That's it. So you talk things over and then you get it right. So that's, that's exactly what happened in the, in the game yesterday.
0: I'm fine with the t- talking it over, but but then why did the guy announce the penalty as they were talking it over? That was weird. I don't that know. That seems shaky. Well, what,
1: Isn't it about getting it right, though? Isn't it about getting it right? That would have been a ticky-tack call. I mean, if anything, the contact was drawn when, when Pettigrew grabbed Hitchens' face mask. And they, they say, well, Hitchens never turned for the ball. It's like, yeah, because the guy's got hold of his face mask. Right? That's why he didn't turn for the ball. So,
0: I don't know. I actually, I had no dog in this race because I, I was losing my uh, my Dallas pick anyway. Right. I thought it was pass interference. I, first of all, he wasn't – He, he was face guarding, but he also had his arm on the guy's arm. There was a lot of contact. He definitely – he made it so that illegally the guy had more trouble catching the pass than he should have, which is pass interference.
1: But it's not – but you have to give Grant. You can't. You have to come back to the ball. You're allowed to face guard in the pros. So, And if there was any contact, like I said, I think he was just trying to rip his, his head free from the guy's grasp of the face mask. But I just don't understand why this is the most anything's been made of a penalty with eight minutes left in the game. The Lions, Matthew Stafford would have had to drive down and score a touchdown, something he hadn't done. They scored three points all half. Uh, so He really needs a touchdown to win that game. Everyone's so sure that he's going to pull that off. And how dare anyone say that Roger Goodell's it. How about the flag that they picked up earlier in the week? How about Dominic and Sue playing this game? This fat criminal <laughs> being allowed to play this game. It's outrageous that he's playing. What about that flag that was picked up? And we made that criminal cry in the press conference in the postgame, and that's why we're going to the Super Bowl right there.
0: That's the and, reason. That, and he's going to come back next year in the Giants, and you get to face him two times a year for Good. the rest of your life.
1: And we'll make him cry uh, again and again and again. I I watch,
0: love it. I watch a ton of football, as do you. Yeah, I watch football every weekend. I watch way too much football. They always make that call. I, I mean, whether past interference, these calls have gotten too chintzy is is a whole other debate. But they they call it against the defense all the time, and you never see uh, the benefit of the doubt given the defense. Okay.
1: Well, I don't think um, anyone wants to hear me uh, argue this point, and no, I, I certainly think don't totally think anyone wants it. to hear a Patriots fan argue <laughs> who, who benefited off a franchise changing call. Are you a referee's uh, a call? that was here. A call that was interpreted correctly. Oh, uh, it was outrageous. So it, this was. Was it was. the right call. It was face guarding. There was no, that was fine. But he, was hit, he
0: had him. There's pictures of him with his arm on the guy's arm.
1: What as about the, guy's the face trying mask? To lift his what about him grabbing his face mask for four steps down the field?
0: I didn't see that part.
1: Okay, here's what I saw. The Lions lost this game because Caldwell punted on 4th and 1. And Jason Garrett went for it on 4th and six. The call that I didn't agree with at the time, but God bless him. I talk about a career, a franchise-changing play. I think that might have been it, 21 yards to win.
0: Well, the two biggest winners yesterday from from everyone going crazy about that call and for that becoming the picked-up flag game, which I really think is how we're going to (laughs) remember that game. Um, Jim Caldwell, big winner because – he didn't have the balls to go for fourth and one on the Dallas forty-six yard line. Right. You're a Dallas Cowboys fan. There's eight minutes left in the game. They've been running the ball on you the whole game. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they could have gotten a yard. You must have been absolutely over the moon delighted when you saw they were punting.
1: Of course course and just like lions fans are probably bummed when we went for it on fourth and six but yeah. yeah that's the other
0: thing i was thinking when they went for it on fourth and six i'm thinking if i'm a lions fan right now i'm freaking out i wanted them to punt so badly here and yeah. now
1: they're going for it and they're
0: going to throw it to jason winton and yeah. apparently the lions were the only people who didn't realize jason winton was getting the ball there right But then the combo of of just not going for the if they get that fourth down and one now right. you're taking it under six minutes. You're you're almost definitely getting at least a field goal attempt unless Stafford gets sacked, which puts you up. What was the score? Twenty seventeen. Well, they, so they would've need would've...
1: another first down. They're at the forty five. But yeah, they would have. Yeah. Well, okay.
0: it puts you in range. You're yeah. one more first down away from a field goal. Sure. But then on top of it, Sam Martin comes in and does a ten yard punt. If anyone's going to say that this game was fixed, then Sam Martin has to be involved in any fixing in fixing conspiracy.
1: Yeah. It's uh, be the he he and them. Butler on the Cardinals must have gotten together to uh, go on over the same well, game. That, that was
0: probably one of the, considering the situation and the impact on the game and the fact that it was the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know the list of the worst punts ever, but it has to be on that list.
1: Very bad. Very, 10 very yards?
0: Yeah. 10-yard punt? Um, but then, and as you said, Dallas gets the fourth and sixth, and then they get a big third and seven mm-hmm. on the uh, Detroit 13. They get a pass interference penalty. Um, all right, now flip it around. you score it seems like Detroit's devastated you You get this miraculous call, Pete Morelli <laughs> doing the, doing the Earl Dave Hebner combo on you uh, oh god <laughs> and then and then Stafford fumbles, your guy picks it up, and then he fumbles it. Yeah, now, which what are your emotions at that point?
1: Well, I'm going nuts, but I, you know everyone's like, oh, just fall on it, fall on it, LeBron James with ten exclamation points, fall on it. it when you're in the game like that, you, you just I I don't know. I guess I guess you could pull it all back, but with the adrenaline running, you, you pick it up and you probably scoop it and, and go with it, but. Yeah, hold on to it for crying out loud! I, I was going crazy, but this is what I mean about this team. This is a different feel from the Tony Romo, Jason Garrett, you know, falling apart at the seam, at the last minute thing. This is uh, Romo doesn't have to play out of his head anymore to win a game. DeMarco Murray didn't even have a great game, and they won the no. game. They were down 14-0. That just that doesn't happen. And you have like guys like Terrence Williams, like uh, avenging his. A pass interference call in the very next, you know, that drive, a long touchdown. Same with um, Demarcus Lawrence, like then the strip sack of the fumble, and at the end to to avenge his his bad fumble recovery. So I don't know. I don't know that we beat the Packers, but I have a really good feeling. Not to mention the hate, the hatred towards the Cowboys. It just feels right. It doesn't feel right. Doesn't it feel right about now?
0: You almost. It sounds like you've already had a diet coke today. (laughs) That's how round up you are. The Coke zero. How dare you? Des uh, Bryant did not have a good game and then yeah. also got saved from going down in Cowboys. Laurie walks onto the field without his helmet yeah. to to yell at the ref after right. the pass interference penalty. Another thing that I've never seen before was some just somebody doing that and, that and them not calling a penalty. I didn't know you were allowed to just wander onto the field without your helmet and yell at referees. That well, was like a good one. Like I
1: said, one. you got you have to get the call right. Whether it takes a fellow referee to help you or a, a player on the the team that was uh, war- hurt and you know coming off. That's, no, I, everything I read says they don't have to call that a penalty. Like they they could and they should, but they don't have to call that a penalty. So especially we'll see if. You, if- well, if he's, fine, if he's if, fine this week, then it should have been a penalty, I guess.
0: It's not a penalty if the head of officials is on the Cowboys' party bus in training I camp. I love That's it. That's definitely
1: not a, not a thing. This Dominic is great. You guys are the villains game. now. Dominick Sue played this game. Let's not forget, you went crazy about it in the middle of the week. What a short memory you have. What, that he played? That he played. The suspension was overturned. If, if Roger Goodell or anyone is uh, favoring Dallas, he doesn't play that game. Come on.
0: I, I was more crazy that they flip-flopped on it. I don't think he should have been suspended. I think his feet were cold, and he didn't realize oh, okay. he was stepping right. on Aaron Rodgers. He <laughs> thought he was stepping on a homeless man outside. It's going to be he interesting. Which, one
1: of us is going to win an acting award this, this, this podcast. <laughs> Maybe both. Well, eight, well, another thing with Detroit.
0: Because yeah. they really blew that game, and everybody's going to focus on the call. and it, And I, I am conceding it was one of the worst calls of all time, and I couldn't believe it when it happened. It was the and right I call, but yeah, it was don't terrible. understand. I've never seen I've never seen that sequence of events in a football game ever. Right.
1: But we should see it more. I love when I love when the officials get it right eventually. But the <clears> other <throat> thing that
0: that nobody is focused on is giving up the touchdown inside the inside Dallas's own twenty. Before halftime, when you're up fourteen nothing, and you just randomly decide to give up, like what was that, like eighty five yards? Yeah, that was
1: bad. That was. There's two minutes break, left man. in the yeah. half.
0: Like the only thing you you want to do in that standpoint is not give up a big play. Yeah, and That's they give what up, I mean. they, and all of a sudden you cut the lead in half. I mean, if you go into that halftime fourteen to nothing or fourteen to three, we had Charlie Pierce there from from Grantland. He was sitting in the stands, mm-hmm. and he said people. We're freaking the f out. Sure, and he said the people in front of him left in the third quarter. They're really? Just gone.
1: Does yeah. he smell? Does he bathe?
0: <laughs> but he said uh, he he was just like the vibe in there was was just crazy. Oh yeah, and, and just people just and it, it, you know as a Red Sox fan I I've, I've gone to games like that where you just you're expecting the worst and the fans just freeze up and everybody's sphincter is tight. and yeah. and it just flipped on that the call then the uh, the the fourth and one punt, then the fourth and six, And all of a sudden, it just felt like Dallas was going to win. Well, you and, know?
1: and I felt like if the Lions could drive the field 95 and 99 yards and, and score both, and I was like, that's it. You, you deserve to win if you could do that on the road. And can we agree that there's no reason to rush the punter when he's when – he's- booting it from nine yards deep in his end zone. Like three things could happen and two of them are bad. Like the best thing that happens is yeah. he's blocked and goes out of the end zone and uh, right. and you get a safety. But you're going to get points. good field position anyway. You're going to train that for a field goal probably. And, and then the roughing there's more likely a chance of roughing or running into the kicker because you have full speed and, and not as much distance to travel. So it's, it's the, what I call the yellow mustard of plays. Like yellow mustard – is never preferred to uh, spicy golden mustard. That, that's, what it, that's what it is. Just stay back and, and return the punt, or don't. Did you, who did you watch the game with? I watched it with Corolla and uh, our oh, friend God. Brad. And, oh, uh, no. You, I
0: didn't realize you watched it with friends.
1: Yeah. That was a mistake. <laughs> no, I know. No, I was, I was, even though I emailed you, I was, my regrets, I, uh, I, I was oddly confident in the game. I really was.
0: Did you cry when Romo threw the go-ahead touchdown and then pounded the turf?
1: It no, just I didn't cry. What do you mean? You didn't did cry? cry? Well, no, why no. Would I Rose cry? made you cry before. No, there will be tears. There will be tears, but uh, you, you not cried,
0: You cried after the, the botched kickoff, the botch field goal snap that night. You went to Blood Diamond, and, and when Leo died, <laughs> you, you cried in the theater. I
1: did cry in the theater, yeah. That was different. Yeah, when they lose, I'll cry for sure. Yeah. I was, cried when was, I saw your tweet um, uh, accusing the Cowboys of cheating. That's when I cried. I don't
0: think the Cowboys cheated. I think I I, I just think it, it was a series of of <laughs>
1: One inexplicable play with events. Eight minutes left. It's inexplicable.
0: It. Who? I, I, the announcers didn't know. Even Mike Pereira, who's, oh, who wow. works for the league, even he didn't know what happened. He oh, yeah, was like, yeah, "I don't know guy. what happened." That was pass interference. Yeah, he always knows
1: what happens. Forget um, it. Well, let's, congratulations. Let's it. Thank I, you. I, you, I, uh, you like a, you like the Cowboys in this spot.
0: Well. Your defense worries me a little. I, I wasn't if I'm a Lions fan, I mean, you, you got to stop focusing on that call. I know it's going to haunt you for the rest of your lives, but mm-hmm. you really have to look at how your team played, some of the decisions that were made. Um, like, it, it was just a weird game. I felt like Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate were getting open.
1: Yeah, they were. They only
0: had Ten catches.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, Brandon Carr was one of the luckier guys on the field. Like he wasn't exposed. Weird. He wasn't was, having a good time covering And they Cowboys. were
0: running the ball. Like I, I don't understand how they they scored two touchdowns pretty early. They scored six points the rest of the yeah. game. Yeah,
1: well, we, I, I, no Stafford. Just say say what you will. Pressured pressured Stafford to the point where there was a lot of holding going on when he scrambled for a, a first down and that wasn't called. And then Witten wasn't called for holding. You know, there's a, there's well, a but, lot. There's, there's a popular video going around showing a call that should have gone the Cowboys way. Hmm. So, yeah.
0: I love it. I love that you, you've been, you're embracing your heel status heading into Green, <laughs> I, to green Bay. You,
1: I feel like it's 1985, and I'm Roddy Piper coming down the tunnel, taking one knee and giving the Jimmy <laughs> Snook I love you sign to the fans. as They've they pelt me with garbage. I'm, the Cowboys are hated again. It's great.
0: As, as you're going against America's new hero, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Who's won exactly one Super Bowl?
1: He should lay down for it. We made we made the villain that tried to uh, end his career cry. He should lay down for us.
0: Well, I Detroit. One of their mistakes, like you watched what Baltimore did in that Pittsburgh game. Yeah. I mean, they just know how to throw it deep and get that PI call. Yep. They know they they put pressure. This is what I thought. The more I watched that Arizona car uh, Carolina game especially having picked Carolina and, and still thinking I had a chance to go 11-0 or and I lost my next three picks. But um, just send Ryan Lindley back and just have him throw Hail Mary 40-yard passes downfield to try to get PIs or something. I think that should have been their offense.
1: Yeah. And I, listen, I, I uh, it was a bad pick in Arizona and it, uh, my dynasty crumbled there with my 15-0 and three. But uh, do you agree that if Ryan Lindley was... B- terrible and not just atrociously disgraceful that they, that they cover that game. At least like they, like he, if he's, if he's not the top three worst playoff quarterbacks of all time, and he's like four through 10, like they have a chance.
0: I didn't like the pick. Cause you went against rule number one of the playoffs, which is don't take a bad QB in the right know, But, but, but my problem, I also didn't went against it much. with Dalton. I, I, I went against it two games later with, uh, Amy yeah. Dalton, who's also not as bad as Ryan Lindley, but, you know, I I sent my column in. They're editing it. I thought A.J. Green was playing. I just assumed like, oh, this is the NFL. They'll yeah. the guy's gonna play. Get a concussion. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll they'll make believe he's fine. He's gonna play. And and he actually got scratched like 20 minutes before we put the column up. Right. So if you're me, what do you do? Do you switch your pick at that point? Because I could have easily switched it. And just rewritten like two sentences, and all of a sudden now I have the Colts minus four.
1: Oh, you still could have. Uh, without, I could have switched it because nobody's seen yet. the column yet.
0: But then I'm thinking like karmically, if I yeah. do that, doesn't that lie? now I'm th- now I'm spending the whole weekend thinking I switched my pick. The Bengals right, are right. going to lose I by three. I would have
1: stayed with it, except then when you get on the field and you see AJ Green out and Gresham was out. I mean, the Colts had a miserable time covering tight ends this year. That was big that Gresham was out, and all of a yeah. sudden your top targets are Sanu, who has I think three receptions in three games, the, the, not the guy you spent uh, $36 on, the you know, auction ad drop after week three and like Rex Burkhead and Ryan Hewitt. Like that's that uh, you, you want to blame Andy Dalton, but he didn't have a chance in that game. He really didn't. Well, that was my
0: fear. I really thought it was going to be a close game just because I didn't think the Colts are good. I thought it was going to be a three point game. So mm-hmm. I like getting the extra point. I thought the Bengals had a chance to win. Right. AJ green comes out. So now the game starts and Jeremy Hill's running the ball pretty well. And I'm like, all right, this is good. This has a 13 to 10-ish kind of feel. And eventually the Colts just realized that they had no receiver who could hurt them deep. And they just started moving up closer and closer. And now all of a sudden Jeremy Hill can't run the ball. And Dalton has to pass, and none of his guys are ever open. Yeah, and if the screen
1: to Bernard didn't break for seventy yards, it just right. And they they
0: were trying, yeah, they were like, oh, here's our one chance. Is this Bernard screen? And the Colts were just ready every time. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, they had no pass rush on Luck, and this is also part of the playoff manifesto. Um, Beware of the round one team that looked a little too good for what it actually is in round one. Yeah, I think the Colts qualify for this because people are coming to that game like, Oh, the Colts, Andrew Luck looked great. Like, first of all, he went, they had no pass rush at all.
1: They didn't. And Ray now, no, Lugo went out for the, for the Bengals, but he had a quiet though. 376 yards lock and no turnovers. Like he can't, he did all he could. And the one time he was pressured, the Bengals finally put pressure on him. That toss right. to Moncrief was tremendous. Like he almost went over the yeah, line, but great play. Hilton yeah. was
0: Hilton didn't have one of his better games. Right. Um, their running game is terrible, and Boom Heron puts the ball on the ground, which is going to p- come back to haunt them at some point, probably this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then for the for the Baltimore-Pittsburgh, I didn't think Le'Veon Bell was going to be I, – I thought they'd be able to win the game by throwing the ball. I, I Pittsburgh was my favorite pick of the week. I'm so confused by what they did offensively in that game. I thought they were just going to wing the ball, just like spread everybody out. We're throwing the ball every play. Yeah, and they were trying to like establish Ben Tate. Ben Tate's been waived by two teams. Right? What are you doing, yeah, Todd Haley? I'm down on Todd Haley.
1: I don't know what that was. That was a bad game plan, and you wanted to say, "Oh, rivalry, anything goes, it doesn't matter." But and is it that the Ravens are playing possum? You, you are nervous. You are a little nervous now. You weren't nervous last week. In fact, I had you rank which teams you want to go to Foxborough, and you had the Ravens first. I know. They, well,
0: the Patriot fans are mad at me. Well, they uh, was listen, I we actually have it on
1: week. tape, what you said here. Hold on, wait a This is not a reverse, Jinx. Bring on the Ravens. We're ready for them. They're a soft team. They're softer than a bag of marshmallows. They're softer than Charmin Ultra Soft 2-Pie Toilet Paper. They're so soft, their offensive line was mistaken for buttermilk biscuits. Their running game is so soft, I think I might lay my head on them at night. That's all I got. Gotta run to do polatos. Zaza Patilia.
0: <laughs> what you said. <laughs> I have a couple of Ravens points and I I think they're very important. I'm very excited to say them. All right. Um, First of all, this whole thing about how the Ravens have been the Patriots playoff nemesis. I know it's great on paper, um, but 2009, the Patriots were 10 and six. Mm -hmm. It was the worst Patriots team in the last 12 years. It was the year after Brady's ACL injury. It wasn't totally the same. Welker blew out his ACL in week 17. Right. the, The week before Baltimore was just better. And they came in, they beat up the Pats, whatever. If you want to say like that was a major upset, I was certainly worried about that game going into it. Um, 2011, the Patriots win by three. Everybody talks about the Miss Billy Cundiff kick. They talk about how Evans caught the touchdown, but the guy stripped him. Right. Yeah. That's still a good play by the Patriots. Sure. And by the way, Gronk was playing on one leg in that game. Yeah. That was Gronk had gotten hurt five weeks before, and, and he was the best guy in that team. Other than Brady and was playing on one leg. So whatever. The Patriots won. It's a
1: close good and, game. That's all
0: it Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then the year after, no Gronk. Gronk mm-hmm. didn't play in that in the in the, the two thousand twelve game. Right. And everyone's like in the Ravens twenty eight to thirteen or whatever the score was. Patriots were driving for the go ahead touchdown when Pollard hit Ridley and knocked him out. Ridley fumbled. The game changed. That was an even game. I I feel like those teams play ten times. Probably the Pats win six, Baltimore wins four. Whatever. Mm-hmm. My point is, the Patriots are healthy this time around. This is the best Patriots team that the Ravens have played in the playoffs of all these other times. And Gronkowski's healthy. Um, I, I don't really know if you can compare those last three games to this one.
1: All right. How's that? It'll is be, that well, yeah, there's no Ray Rice for sure. That's he busted it open that first game. you talked about and yeah, I,
2: I you. You would you, you
1: think it's going to be a double digit win though? Well, let's do this. This is the first. It's the first game Saturday. One thirty five, uh, four thirty five Eastern. Right. Well,
0: I will say one thing about the Ravens, and and I realized this when I was watching them play against Pittsburgh. They have a lot of big game guys, mm. and I think that matters in the playoffs. They have different guys that you can just that that just kind of come through when it matters, you know. And I, and people talk about Flacco. He is for whatever reason he's better in the playoffs, but. You know Steve Smith and Torrey Smith. I think those guys are reliable. Yep. Justin Tucker, that guy is money. Yep, Jacoby maybe Jones is. Wouldn't you say he's the scariest kick returner? Sure. Um, Suggs and Doomerville, those guys. Those guys have just come through in big games. Yeah. So they're players. You know, it's it's not a team that's not going to show up. Um
1: Flacco, best possum player, I think, in. in- NFL history, maybe. 5-0, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions in the last uh, five playoff games. He was awesome.
0: But, mm-hmm. you know, that was also the best they've played in four months. Mm-hmm. Like, that point cannot be emphasized enough. The last really good game they played against a good team was in week two against Pittsburgh on a Thursday night. They had a bunch of offensive line issues. They lost two linemen, I think in week 16, week 17, they had to move their guard to right tackle, which Collinsworth made a big deal about. Right. Um, the secondary is banged
1: up and you know, I, I, I just, well, that's what I mean it, about playing possum, but now they have not that back and they, they're just, they, they're going to be, I don't know. They're going to be in this game probably for most of it.
0: So not, does not, does he, does he is he allowed to use Adderall during the playoffs or no, it's the rule <laughs> on that.
1: You have so many conspiracy theories. Well, it's
0: the Ravens, great. I mean, if you're talking about PD teams from the last decade, the Ravens and the Seahawks have to be one, two in on the list, right? Yeah. Is they, any, any team had more PD shadiness?
1: Maybe that could be the Super Bowl. What's the odds on that matchup? That'd be nice.
0: My team's clean, except for our tight end who may have murdered three people.
1: <laughs> what, do think, what do you think the line is? This is interesting. Ravens at Pats.
0: So I, I think I mailed you... Oh, you did, yeah. We mailed each other guesses because it's just too easy to see the lines right. in the playoffs. I think I mailed you Ravens by
1: eight? Yeah, you said eight. I said eight and a half. It opened at seven and a half. It's down to seven. So you get that game. You're scared. You want so bad for that to be nine. You do.
0: Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I, I will admit this. I really wanted to play Cincinnati or Indianapolis. I was very excited for one of those two teams right. um, after, after watching Saturday about, night.: yeah. yeah, after watching about 10 minutes of the Ravens that Saturday night, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I, I screwed this up, because <laughs> at least the Ravens are going to think they're going to win. Like the Colts and Bengals would have gone into the New England in round two, and, and I don't think either of those teams would have been like, "We're winning this game." The no, Ravens they're are gonna actually and think they don't they're have gonna as win. much confidence. I'd is, like to no apologize to all the Patriots fans for not taking the Ravens seriously.
1: <laughs> now let me ask you this. Our fantasy football banquet at Shakey's, uh happens during this game. Any chance you show up? Let's say the Pats are up twenty-eight-three late in the third. Do, do we see Bill Simmons at Shakey's?
0: Twenty-eight to three. How much time's left in the third? Uh, two,
1: three minutes left in the third. You, you live uh, ten minutes away. You can get there for the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, it'd probably be about seven minutes left in the fourth. All right.
1: Okay. I don't. The Ravens aren't going
0: to score just three points in this game. I think they're going to. They're going to. Uh, I'm worried about Steve Smith. People forget we beat Steve. We took Steve Smith's Super Bowl win. That part I forgot. There's a lot of rave. Like Terrell Suggs hates New England for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Just going down the line, like they're certainly going to show up for the game. Right. I feel like such an ass for discounting them. By the way, I had this thing in my column about how I, I call it the wonk team. So since Mm -hmm. 2007, the Giants, and then you just go through every year, the team that kind of nobody took seriously, and all of a sudden they caught fire when the playoffs started. And that wonk team since 2007 was 22-3 and in the playoffs. Wow. And won four Super Bowls and made a fifth Super Bowl. I didn't think the Ravens were the wonk team. I These thought it was going to be or. yeah, I thought it was going to be the Panthers Cardinals winner, but coming out of that weekend it's clear that the Ravens were the walk team.
1: Yeah, well, if the 7-8-1 and, and Panthers win the Super Bowl, I might be done watching football for a while. I mean, at least for uh, 10 months, but maybe well, they can
0: they can't make that line high enough, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um all right, so
1: well, we're yeah, there, so, actually, if you want to do it. Panthers and Seahawks, Saturday what night. Did you,
0: what did you pick for Ravens, path?
1: No, I said eight and a half. You said eight, and so you get it. Oh, so I win that one. Yeah, you get that one. So, seven I mean,
0: there. This, from, from what we're looking at with these four games, and I don't know the lines yet because I've somehow avoided looking at them, but all of them are going to at least be like five points or higher. It's It's just a tease frenzy. And somebody's going to screw it it's up. It's and it's just a question of who's screwing up your tease that and my tees and all the teases.
1: I know. I know. Because you know it's not going to be four favorites. And, uh I don't know. Maybe we put something with Oregon the next day. So maybe we figure that out. Well, I have the
0: rarely seen. I, I wrote about it on Friday. Thanks to uh, Mallory Rubin, um, our college football guru in the office. I lost both sides of my, uh, my New Year's <laughs> Day tees. I was that's excited right. about that.
1: Yeah. That was fun. We loved Alabama. That fell apart. What are you gonna do? All right, the Panthers honest, at Seahawks.
0: Panthers at Seahawks. I I went double digits. I said ten and a half and the more I look at this, I don't think you could get me to take the Panthers at anything less than fourteen and a half.
1: Well, I was stupid. I went nine and not that I would ever consider taking the Panthers at nine. You said ten and a half. It opened to twelve and a half. It's now ten and a half, which is weird. People oh. are betting the Panthers. I don't. Know, I don't really understand it, but well,
0: because they, their defenses look pretty good. Maybe they're thinking it's going to be one of those
1: seventeen. But, and how much of that games. Arizona game, as bad as Ryan Lindley was, how much were you confident that that plus six and a half? Uh, I'm going to dwell on this because it, it, you know, it's my changed my year, obviously, but. Like uh, the Panthers wanted to give that game away so bad, and and Cam Newton looked beat up to, to hell to, to halfway through the third quarter. He did. I, I thought
0: I thought that the Cardinals were going to have a miracle cover nineteen different times in the yeah. second half, and then, and and we would have spent the rest of our lives wondering how a team covered right a playoff spread with less than one hundred yards offense. Yeah. Um, but, can, can I say one thing? I, I emailed this to you. I think I think we have to get this out in the open. Mm-hmm. I I didn't like how he only made one pick. I, it it smacked to me of somebody trying to protect their batting average with three days left in the baseball season and just sitting out with like a strained hamstring.
1: I don't think so. I think it's uh, I scored uh, fifteen touchdowns in a row and I, I chose to go for the extra point and not the two point conversion. That's well, how what, I see it.
0: What would have been the most impressive though? What if you had? What if you had done? three picks like you always do and mm-hmm. then pick two games and then done a tease. Right. That's what I do. Yeah. And then gone three and O like yeah, no. now it's like you're, you're an American phenomenon. You're like, you're yeah. like the fat lady on that, uh, English version of American Idol show. <laughs> What's her right.
1: name? Uh, Susan Boyle.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're the Susan Boyle of American gambling at that oh, point. like, oh, this I, guy was fifteen zero and 3 and then said screw it and threw his balls on the table and made three picks in round one and hit him off. Now he's 18-0-3. I just,
1: well, first of all, I had Cincinnati, I would have gone 2-2 two and two at best, so it, it's uh, neither here nor there. But I, I told him, I said, I'm giving – you know, I blame our cousin Jimmy. I said, I don't know how many games to pick. He said, keep the streak alive at all costs. I said, you know what? You're right, and everyone's pounding uh. the Panthers, and this is stupid, and this is an NFC – uh, uh, NFC West team that's been, been bangs with the big boys against the cruddy NFC South team. I'm taking the points. Six and a half, it's too many. And then I get to ESPN and they're like, hey, we're getting grief over here that you're only taking one game. I said, well, I became deevish I said, I'm only, I'm only picking one game and I went into makeup to have the, the lady fill in my bald spot and all of a sudden a team of producers come in, people I have never met before and said, nice. hey, you have to pick uh, and Kenny Maynes uh, uh, with them and they said, you, you have to pick more than one. One game. I said, "Well, I'm not picking one game. I'm, I'm just not doing it. I, I only have analysis for one game." Uh, and they're like, "Well, you have to." And that's it. So I was like, "All right, I'll throw in the Cowboys at the end," which is also losing. Well, I think
0: but. I think you go the other way in round two and pick all four. I'm going to do gonna two and a tease.
1: Four. I am, but I'm I'm too confident. I'm I think I'm thinking the same way as you with these games. Like, no,
0: that, but last week was was all the all the all the teams that people thought were going to cover covered in round one, right? Um was there was there one like was there a team that people had a lot of money on or a lot well, of picks I don't think on everyone seemed that, that, that seen didn't to come through? At the end there
1: right What do you they, mean? they won but didn't cover everyone seemed that I know, Dallas. but
0: people liked the Lions. it seemed like a lot of people liked the Lions uh, as like no, a no, live no. road dog and it seemed like the people liked the Lions and the Ravens and people thought once AJ Green went out the ba- the Colts were going to easily cover and people nobody like wanted Steelers, to round, sure. really. people definitely liked the Steelers right is that true oh yeah, yeah. okay so that yeah. so then there was one wonky game yeah well there's gonna be one this round,
1: yeah I know and i'm I'm hoping it's my team but the, the things don't usually work out like that so so
0: Saturday night is is Carolina at Seattle yeah no why that did they do that
1: chance. I don't know they set that up uh a long time ago they <laughs> they knew it last week I think
0: that, ugh, that's awful
1: I, I think here's well I guess because Fox gets the, the, uh, sun, they gets their choice, so they're, they're going to take Dallas Green Bay Sunday. And then, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know how it goes. Me neither. That's weird. All right. Uh, then we go to Sunday, Cowboys at Packers.
0: I put this in the Vegas zone. I said uh, Packers by five and a half.
1: Yeah, you said five and a half. I said six and a half. It's Seven. Right
0: at seven. Ooh, no respect
1: for the eight and zero in the road Cowboys. No, well, this this, this never happened, right? Eight and zero home team Packers versus eight and zero road team Cowboys. It does seem a little improbable. Yeah,
0: it's well, and and here's why you get your conspiracy theories. Even though as Barnwell pointed out, the NFL has already signed all its TV deals, so it doesn't really matter what the rating is. But mm-hmm. Dallas Green Bay round two is is. Short of Manning versus Brady, is as good as you're going to do for the NFL. Definitely. And I don't know anyone who wouldn't watch this game.
1: If Baltimore, even my mom
0: would watch this game.
1: The winner doesn't really. As long as Denver, New England, and Seattle win, that it's a great Final Four, right? I mean, it's as good as it gets. Regardless, who comes out of Dallas, Green Bay?
0: Yeah, it doesn't even matter who comes out of Dallas, Green Bay. Yeah, but. Your defense is better than it was.
1: We're going to have trouble covering these slants. He's, You're uh, going to have
0: trouble covering the, yeah, the and yeah. everything else. And that's why that was Detroit's biggest feeling in that in that game yesterday. I just felt like those Tate and Megatron
1: could have gotten open whenever they wanted. It's just going to it's going to take a first of all the guy Rogers hasn't thrown an interception Lambo in 25 months. Is that is that accurate? I think I saw that this morning, and so that's not going to happen again. And 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 it's going to take like a strip sack or something stupid to happen. You have to hit him. Yeah, you know, yeah, what I I've I've
0: always, and maybe the Ravens are going to try this against the Patriots because mm-hmm. the the recipe against the Patriots that's beaten them has been pretty much the same, which is just rush up the middle, pressure Brady as much as you can, and then hit the living hell out of the receivers and the tight ends and right. the running backs on screen passes, and if you get a couple flags, so be it. Yeah. Um, and that's what the Ravens are going to do this week. Like they're, they're going to go after Gronkowski and they're going to try to tackle him at his knees and do all, and hit him as hard as they can. They, they won't care if they get a couple of penalties. I sure. think that's what you should do in Lambeau. All right. Like well, fine. You'd be like, all right, fine. We got three unnecessary roughness penalties. Who cares?
1: Well, I don't even think they'll let me on the field, but you you mean the Cowboy, what they should do. Yeah.
0: Well, if you play, I said, okay. that, that, right. but I mean, he, so, what you threw Rodgers against the frozen turf a couple times? Oh, right. 15 yards. Like, I was thinking about that. Somebody got a terrible penalty in one of the games that felt like it should have been like a 35 yarder. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which game it was. It was just an egregious, rough, uh, and uh, unnecessary roughness. It this and I was thinking, it was like, this weekend, yeah, it was this weekend. I can't remember what it was. It might have been the Steelers game, but uh,
1: Roethlisberger. Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, but that's with the uh, with Rodgers. I would just be like, look, we're hitting this guy. He's gonna <laughs> score anyway. Let's pound him. Let's beat him up.
1: Well, of course, and especially I used to say it with Michael Jordan all the time, like someone poke this guy in the eyes and let him sit a quarter or something. You know, to figure it out. Well, that's it, what the, it, Knicks and, the Knicks and the and the sure. Pistons did it. They yeah, just beat the hell more, out of him. More obvious than that, you're allowed to tackle the man. Uh, you know, the quarterback when you, when you're allowed to tackle him. So if you do it a little late or a little early. You know, it should, it should get fine for it. Get, get the penalized for it, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you have a chance. The yeah. team plays really well on the road. You can move the ball. Um, I think you can run on the Packers. I think Des can get open. I think Witten can get open.
1: I think we're um, pretty even. I really do. I really do think we're even. Yeah, and The line seems high. The, the, the temperature doesn't seem high, which is what worries me. Is that five or six or seven degrees? But
0: is that good for you or bad for
1: you? I don't know. I mean, it can't be that good. I I think maybe they have more. They have tougher players, you know. So, have we'll
0: you see. thought about going to this
1: game? Well, I'm not because here's the thing. I'm going to Arlington because Jimmy Kimmel Live. We're doing a live bit for the uh, college championship game, so I'm uh, uh, flying out right after this three three o'clock our time, and uh, yeah, so. Oh, interesting! But maybe Seattle. You'll come with me to Seattle next week. Listen to me. Look how confident I am.
0: Well, I I, I will not come with you to Seattle because <laughs> I'm hoping my team will be playing.
1: All right, that's true. And Colts and Broncos. Who will they be playing at 4:40 Eastern Sunday?
0: The freaking Broncos! Yeah. It's unbelievable. They get the two seed instead of the one seed, and they still get the easier game.
1: Well, I kind of feel the same way with the Cowboys. Cowboys beat the Seahawks in regular season, had the same record as them, and they don't get to host the Panthers. The Seahawks do.
0: Well, you, it's because you lost to the Washington professional football team that night. Games, that I Monday know. night
1: Washington game killed you. Uh, so Can't stupid. have that one. That was terrible. If we win that game in overtime, Romo might win MVP. You lost to Colt
0: McCoy. It cost yeah. you the one seed. You went out there. Hello. I mean, after watching the quote-unquote Hopefield advantage yesterday, I'm not sure it matters where the Cowboys play. I know. That's what
1: I was worried about. 14-point deficit at home? No way we're coming back.
0: It was like in the last two minutes after you scored and the fans got into the game. It was like, hey, thanks for showing up, Dallas fans. Where were you for an hour and
1: a half? I heard they were pretty good. I read that they were pretty good mostly. Um, um, I have Denver by nine. You said nine. I said seven and a half. It started at seven and a half. It's down to seven. So you win the first two, I win the last two, we tie, oh, split. and you win for the season. That's it. I can't catch you.
0: All I needed was a draw.
1: All you needed was a draw. Thank God we don't uh, bet anything on the end. We're too lazy to come up with something. So, But you win. Wow,
0: I, that line seems way too low.
1: Well, we, we have Andrew the Giant Luck. Andrew, you <laughs> take on the great Peyton Manning, who you replaced at vocational school in Irvington, New Jersey, where you're defending your AFC Southwest heavyweight title. Your thoughts?
0: You know, I, I'm getting a lot of emails that my oh, no. Andrew the Giant, my Andrew the Giant impression has has fallen off a cliff. Oh no! Yeah, I need to go back. I need if if he wins this game, I'm going to study right. the Andrew the Giant tapes and really get my mojo back
1: for that impression. Okay. Well, you don't let Vince man down like that. He's trying to interview you, but all right, that's Sorry, fine. Vince.
0: Vince, I'm back next week. Okay. I, it I. I, the Colts aren't good. So
1: we have three lines that are seven. The Pats are seven. The Packers are seven. The Broncos are seven. The Colts seven.
0: aren't a good football team, though. I like, don't unless think so, Manning's yeah. hurt and Vegas knows this, that line seems low.
1: Is he sliding a little, Manning? Is that, is that it?
0: <sighs> he missed two practices this week. That's not good.
1: They should win. They should win their that home game after having up. a season like they did. They should win their first home game. That's it.
0: Wow. And they're healthy. I mean the second half of the season like guy this guy wasn't playing that guy wasn't playing mm. it just and now they should be relatively 100% for round 2 i like cj anderson yeah i think he's good the yeah. bengals game it was a goofy game terrible weather you know i, I think people are are judging that are, are judging kind of their broncos feelings off that game and and it was a weird game bad weather a couple dumb plays
1: yeah, they're not going to run the ball. I don't expect Boom Heron to go crazy like he did, you know, scramble for first down. So, but, you know, they – what was it, 31-24 in week one? It was the Sunday night game, I think. Denver was winning big. They the whole dominated
0: time. that game. Yeah, yeah they, they, the Colts were down by 20-plus. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. Well, so you, if this all goes according to plan, you get Manning versus Brady, and then you get – or – Potentially you get the Baltimore at Denver Raheem Moore rematch, yeah, you don't um, want that though well, I wouldn't want that I'd, <laughs> I'd be I'd be devastated if that happened but um and you get Romo going to Seattle. Oh, that would be great. We shouldn't even or talk about it. Roger's going to Seattle. Oh, that would be terrible. yeah, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Jason Garrett seems like he has a lot more something. Like he, like they always show him, he's just laughing evilly in the sidelines. It feels like his mojo is different. Do you feel like it's different?
1: Oh, that's what I'm saying. Everything seems different. Okay. Like, this, here's a guy who won't, on fourth and one, let alone fourth and six, on fourth and one, refuses to line up and try to draw the defense off sides. And it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. So what? You punt five yards back. He, he won't do it. And then just like out of nowhere, I think something, something snapped in his head. And he's like, I'm changing everything around right now. And I yeah. think he did it. I think he did it.
0: Well, he's that, a very he, interesting coaching free agent.
1: Yeah. You think, oh, yeah. really? You think they let him go after all this? He's a free know. agent. They have to re-sign him. Yeah, they they will. They they, they couldn't fire him all these last few years. They're they're gonna re-sign him. Then. You
0: say they will, but what happens if he, what happens if he wins this round two game? He becomes the number one free agent. There's like seven jobs.
1: Right. Well, who 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 do you see offering him money? Like the Jets, Falcons. That would Jets, be a major Bears. loss. Like, don't you think that would be like? Let's say the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl. The only thing that would hurt more. Jerry, if someone steals Garrett away from him,
0: I think he's. I mean, put it this way Doug Marone opted out of his Bills contract mm-hmm. and is a hot candidate. Sure. I think Jason Garrett's accomplished a little more than Doug Marone.
1: I think Dallas would have to have bigger plans. Something would have to be up, a uh, uh, Harbaugh type thing, but he's with Michigan now for them Can to you let imagine him go. if
0: Jerry Jones hired Harbaugh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're not just going to take, you know. Is it,
0: weird that, is it weird that seeing Harbaugh on the Ravens' sidelines with his brother gave me confidence in the Ravens?
1: In the Ravens? Oh, Saturday yeah. night? Yeah, like seeing both Harbaugh's
0: on the same sidelines, like in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, oh, I hope he doesn't come to the Pats game.
1: Yeah, it was weird. He, did, he, he like tagged in his golden fortune. It was nice. I, that was the start. Like,
0: I don't really understand why we have sideline reporters just in general unless somebody gets injured and we're trying to find out if they're going to come back in time but yeah, they a if you case if put them where, on the
1: field they'll get hurt. Oh, so you well, you just don't want to be on the sidelines. I well, just, I
0: just I don't I've never totally understood that job. It just seems like they're constantly trying to shoehorn them in mm-hmm. without any real reason for them to be here. Like they could send all their information up to, you know, whoever the announcers are and be like, "Hey, our person down on the field just told us this."
1: I but, think people like to see people freeze and breathe smoke from their mouth while they're reporting. Just like when you have the weather no reporters reporting like on the rain in the street, world. you know, I don't so. think there's any
0: question. Football fans like to see women yeah. wearing hats, looking cold mm-hmm. with breath coming out of their neck, uh, mouth and talking to athletes. But right. here's the thing with, with this. So you have both Harbaugh's on the sidelines. I wanted to know, like, is, has, has John Harbaugh talked to Jim Harbaugh during the game? Hmm. Like, Jim Harbaugh is the big brother, right? Which one's the big brother?
1: They should figure that out. Uh, John is, right?
0: John is. So do you think... So, Jim Harbaugh is the little brother. Like, Ben is the little brother to my daughter. Right. And he would absolutely annoy her during the game and ask her questions.
1: Right, right, right. And I was wondering,
0: like, if Jim is like, hey, John, you should run the, uh, the, the whatever. And he's like, shut up. Just go away. Go over there. I told you not to talk to me during the game. I wanted to know if that was happening. We didn't find
1: out. I was Leave my nipples alone with these purple nipples. Yeah. I can't stand it. Yeah. I told you to stay over there. I'm going to like take it. your pass away at
0: halftime. Um, all right cuz congrats on uh congrats on a great streak um congrats on the Cowboys win I'm really excited to to Thank everything you. We'll
1: be that's going to happen because this, this is where we have to strike as a gambler I'm telling you people what I don't know what you I'm not saying what you should do just yet but to, you know talk to your banker see exactly how much you need to can afford to put on these games because this is the round to strike
0: well, and as you said, can't banged up Cam Newton, who can't seem to complete a pass to anybody who's wide open going into Seattle. Yeah. Um, I don't really like Carolina's that chances. That seems like a good in that start.
1: Game. That seems like Very a good much. start. Jimmy Kim like along to Anne Hathaway tonight. Chris Soles, I think it's Soles, the bachelor. He has 30 girls to choose from this year. And the mm. Ben Hart, uh, later in the week, Matt LeBlanc, Jamie Oliver, Bill Maher, Joaquin Phoenix, my Grantland blog, back on uh, Thursday – I had Andy Dalton to not throw an interception. That crazy Hail Mary at the end was stupid. But so that one. Uh, and then uh, Thursday night back on SportsCenter, I try to start a new streak with my picks.
0: I got a great email from a reader saying, hey, did you know J- Your Majesty is the same name as <laughs> Jermaine Jackson's son? It's <laughs> <was> like, what?
1: <laughs> People are the best. I may, I may need to change it. You guys, we, J- Grantland took down, I had a weekly um uh what did I call it? Like an explanation of the whole why Germany Jimages is what it is. I think you guys are just like enough. Well, we should just have it, it as a footnote. The yeah.
0: footnote. We can do footnotes on the blogs now. We should right. put that in for next okay. week. There you go. Alright, cuz good job by you. Good job by you, Billy. Happy New Year. You too. Alright, I want to call my buddy Gus Ramsey, who uh I've been friends with since nineteen eighty two. Um he's my oldest friend. Not not literally, but The friend I've had the longest, he worked in Orlando in the early nineties, um, after college and met a guy named Stuart Scott, who was working there as well. And when Stuart went to ESPN, after they became friends and had worked together for a while, um, he implored them to hire Gus and Gus has been at ESPN ever since. And they have been friends for almost 25 years. And I thought on the day after Stuart passed, we should call Gus. So. Tell us about um, when you met Stu and how that whole thing went down. Uh,
2: well, I was working at the NBC affiliate as the weekend news producer during the 6 and 11 o'clock uh, newscast, for the whole show. Uh, and I also worked in the sports department on Mondays and Tuesdays because those weekend sports anchors days off. So I got to run around and do sports stuff. Um, and we only had two anchors at the time, and they decided they were going to hire a third. Um, and I got all excited because I was working on my tape and I'm an aspiring sportscaster. Although I had only done radio at the time, um, so silly, naive me, I certainly thought that there was no reason for them not to hire me, even though I was 25 and had never been on TV anywhere, and this was the 21st market in the country. So against my wishes and their and in their infinite wisdom, they uh, hired a guy named Stuart Scott out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and Stu had only been a news reporter up there but um obviously sports is what he wanted to do uh so he came in as our third sports anchor
0: and so you went from initially you're like ah this guy kind of stole the spot i was looking forward to all of a sudden you become buddies
2: oh yeah i hated him before he even walked in the door because i'm petty that way (laughs) and (laughs) it took all of you know 30 seconds of meeting him to uh Get to know him and and like him. And uh, he's, I keep saying he was bombastically kind. I mean, he just couldn't help himself from just being super nice to everyone. And uh, his love of sports matches anybody I've ever known. And, you know, a lot of friendships are built on that kind of stuff. Um, So, and we're, he's only two years older than me. Um, So, we did a lot of things. Uh, away from work, pick up basketball, playing in three-on-three tournaments, playing in flag football tournaments, going to the movies, whatever. We ended up living in the same apartment complex, um, so we used to hang out a lot together. He would have he would have game nights um, where you know, we'd go over and, and play board games, and I always tell people that Stuart was a great entertainer, and like that's all he ever really wanted to do, and that wasn't just on television. You'd see him do those unique lead-ins with the rhymes or the, the deaf jam or holding basketball or football. But when we had game night, we weren't playing Partizzi. We were playing games where you had to get up and act something out. It was always those kind of games because he just loved being an entertainer. So um, the days in Orlando were really special. It was you know, kind of an incubus Period for, for the both of us and, and local news. Um, you always kind of have that bunker mentality, especially the weekend groups. There's always, you know, six or seven people are the only people in the building, and you're all just trying to do the best that you can, and we're all kind of learning it together. Um, so I always look back on, on, on those times really fondly.
0: So at at what point did you realize he was going on to bigger and better things? And at that point, ESPN you know ESPN had taken off the previous decade, but SportsCenter was a real thing at that point. Dan and Keith were in their you know had were in their peaks, and it was just a show that had had uh, had become part of the cultural landscape. They did not have a visible um, African American guy. At what point did you start thinking, wow, he makes sense for SportsCenter?
2: Um. Pretty early on, it was kind of like, I don't know what the formation of a comet would look like, but it must have been Stu at that time. He was just so dedicated to being the very best that he could be. and um, well, he, he went out and did a feature on the, when the rodeo came to town. And as far as I know, he'd never known anything about the rodeo, never seen rodeo, but he came back and he did an incredibly entertaining, informative two-minute piece on the rodeo and that day I just remember thinking this guy's gonna whatever he puts his mind to it's gonna be great. That's just the way he was he was driven. And he would do his sports cast on the weekends and I'd give him five or six minutes of, of T V time and um he would never get through it all. It, there'd always be stuff that he didn't get to and he'd after the show would be like, Well I well can figure out why I didn't get there and but he would write 45-second lead-ins to a highlight, which most anchors would write in something usually 15 to 20 seconds. But I think part of it was he knew that that on-camera time was really what he needed to become great at and that that was where he was going to hone the Stu Scott persona. And he was doing Booyah and cool as the other side of the and all that stuff in Orlando. Um, so it was almost like Orlando was kind of this on-deck circle. Right. And he was just waiting, he was waiting to step in the batter's box and hit a home
0: run. It sounds a little like pro wrestling when uh somebody's on one of the lower circuits waiting to get hired by WWE or whoever and they're working on their character. Did uh he goes to Sports Night, which was the ESPN two kind of daily late uh nighttime show that they had. Initially it was Keith and Susie Colbert and then and Stu was what was he, the sports smash guy?
2: And that was his yeah. big break. Yeah, he did updates with Bill Pito. Right. And that and that, that that's how he that's how he started when he got up there. But I think you know, everybody involved with that show recognized pretty quickly that they had something and it wasn't gonna to take too long before they started working in the Sports Center.
0: Well and then Keith left, and then it became him and Susie for a while. And, and that show was actually half decent. I remember actually thinking that that show was headed someplace, but the, but by that point, live rights had just become so important for that channel that it didn't have a chance.
2: It was also kind of unique in that it, it was a long form show. I think it used to go three hours, which you know yeah. we never did that back then. All our sports centers were one hour. Um, I, I I produced it one time, and it was with Susie and Bill Patrick. And we got to the end of the first segment, and they just kind of started talking about something. I forget what the topic was and as someone who was used to kind of the more formulaic way you would produce a sports center, I was kind of looking around like why are they talking? What are we doing with this ad living stuff? You right. know but that was how that show was created in a lot of ways you know gave Stu more opportunity to to kind of work on that part of his skill.
0: I remember when e s p n hired him, and you were saying. Stu's Stu said as soon as he gets settled, he's going to tell them to, to get me. And I'm thinking like, Oh, that was nice. But deep down you're like I was thinking, you know, who knows? Like the people always say that, but it doesn't actually happen. And then it happened and he, he kind of came through. How many months after that, after he was there, did he come through for you?
2: It took about a year. Um, they, they hired someone else after he left again, much to my dismay. Um, and I got taken off the weekends and was doing the noon news, and there are a few things less interesting than producing the noon newscast, for booking are cooking, cooking segments and exercise things. And So right. I was just kind of itching to get to get out of there. Um, and, I, and the golf channel started up, and a lot of people in, in Bristol, surprisingly, were interested in going to Orlando. So I was the only one interested in coming the other, the other direction. Right. Um, and when people laughed, and that created some producer openings, and Stuart went to Al Jaffe and gave him a big sell on me, and uh, he told me that they asked him, um, you know, could I come in at the producer level, and, and he said absolutely. And um, and he set up the interview for me with Al, and, and I, it was pretty much the foot in the door that I needed. Um, so, you know, I just celebrated my 20th anniversary at ESPN, and I, and I texted Stu um, around that time, and in the last few months, you know, you never kind of knew if you were going to hear anything back from him or not. And I, Susie Colbert and I kind of kept reminding each other, imagine how many people are texting him every day. Right. Um, and how much, how much strength he actually has to, to reply to whoever. Um, but I never asked him how he was doing. It was always just more conversational. So he didn't want to talk about that. So I kind of tried to draw him out. Um, and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm coming up on my 20th anniversary. And I wanted to thank you for everything you did for me to get me there. That we did in Orlando, you know, and even if he, he never replied, but I just hope that he saw it and that he knows the value um, that he added to my life and the significance he had, and you know, me being allowed to live the life that I have now.
0: Right. Um, when you, when you were there at Sports Center in the mid '90s, it was Keith and Dan, uh, Stu, Kilborn, Rich Eisen showed up. It was, it, I guess, in retrospect, it's considered like the glory years of of uh, sports. everybody kind of brought a different personality to the table. We heard if you followed the coverage the last, I don't know, thirty six hours that ESPN's done, and they did a great job with it. Um, they talked a lot about Stu taking um, a lot of crap for his persona, um, especially in those early days, because it was so different than. Um, what everyone else was doing on Sports Center. What do you remember from that?
2: Well that was even evident in Orlando. Because um, you can imagine in nineteen ninety two, um, Central Florida wasn't people who watched local news weren't exactly prepared for oh yeah and um getting your swerve on. Um, right. and our and our news director would tell him, Stu, you gotta tone it down, Mr and Mrs. Jones. They don't they don't understand what you're doing. Right. But it didn't matter. And then, and then that got him to ESPN. But even at ESPN, he, he was being told similar kind of things. And among all of Stewart's great attributes, one of them is stubbornness. He was incredibly stubborn, but in a good way. He was convinced that what he was doing was best for him, and he was a man of conviction. And he knew how he wanted to do it and, and why it was important and that he wasn't going to change. And I think, you know, there was a time early on when I got there, he had been there a year and a half or so, and, and he was dealing with, with a lot of that stuff. Um, and internally, not just the bosses, but I think some of the anchors, um, I don't know if resent is the right word, but they didn't get it either. And um, the story I always tell is that I'd been there nine months, fall of, of 95. I asked him if he wanted to go down to uh, a homecoming football game at our our hometown, yours and mine, down there in Greenwich. And he came along. And we were standing on the sidelines, and one by one, these kids recognized him and came up to him and were saying booyah and talking to him and stuff. And I'm, I just remember thinking, here we are in maybe the whitest town in America. <laughs> and all these kids not only recognize him, but appreciate what he's doing. Like, yeah. this, this is going to work. And if these kids get it, anybody will get it.
0: Right. So I I didn't know him that well. I knew him from you um, for the most part. But the last two NBA finals, we were all there, obviously. I was working the countdown show and he was doing, um, you know, the big interview, basically. And after 2013, it seemed like I I think the cancer had come back at that time. But he seemed, I, I don't actually really remember having an opinion on it. Wait, like how how he's seen, but this last time at the finals, you could you there was a real difference, and you could see it. And and uh, I just remember being amazed that he was going on TV. Like he just looked he looked thin and he looked worn out, but he had this ability to. You just wouldn't have known on camera. I mean, he looked skinny on camera, um, but now hearing the stories about how you know he'd have to lie down after being on TV and stuff like that, like I, I was just amazed because. I knew he wasn't feeling well at the finals, like there's no question, but I didn't realize it it was to that degree. Like, what did you know about that last year?
2: Well, it's weird in that we worked at the same place, but we could go extended periods of time without ever seeing each other. After in 2000, I moved on to baseball tonight. I did that for the better part of the years and, and some sports centers occasionally, um, and then I did some Sports Nation, and then I started working in some morning sports centers. So our schedules forever were, were never really incongruous. And we would run into each other in the hallways or whatever every handful of months. Um, and it had been a while since I'd seen him. And I, I want to say it was probably around this time a year or so ago. And I just went into his office, and, and he was there. And because we just heard that it would come back for a third time. Um, and he said, he said, I'm not telling many people, but... This one's pretty bad, and it's going to be a battle. Um, so I knew it wasn't good. And for him to admit that it was, bad, um, was a little disconcerting. Um, but he just had that inner will. I mean, when you talk about fighting, like he's the face of fighting. Man. And he and I, as well as you, like love the Rocky movies. He's, in fact, he's such a positive guy, he's the only person who actually likes Rocky Fox. That's how positive Stu <laughs> is. But every once in a while, I would just test him the line from Rocky Balboa, life isn't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning has done it. And Stu embodied that. I mean, the, the, the face that he put out publicly for the last year and the speech that he gave at the SBs and all the people he inspired, everything he did, I, I can't think of anybody else who could have pulled it off the way he pulled it off, and I think that was reflected in the outpouring of emotion we saw across the nation yesterday. I mean, if you had told me when you and I were working together in Orlando, that 20 years later the president would be acknowledging him, it's just remarkable and a testament to everything he did. And the phrase measure of a man has kind of been bouncing around in my head the last two days, and I've been trying to think about, you know, how do you measure someone like Stuart? And there's just too many ways. You measure him as a father, as a friend, And what he meant to not only ESPN but to the industry and all the people who who grew up watching him. And you know, to say he set the bar high is absurd. It's like he put it up so high, everybody else just kind of has to stand there and admire it. No one's ever going to get there. And um, it's heartbreaking that something like this has to happen, kind of for that to all be recognized, but. If nothing else, it, it, it helps take a little
0: bit of a sting away. And the SPs last uh, last summer, which the, the stories are coming out now, but at the, at the time they kind of, I don't want to say covered it up, but they just didn't make, they didn't want anybody to know about it. But like he barely made it to the ESPYs. I know all the people that run the SPs and I was there for some of it. And, you know, he had four surgeries the week before and they, Weren't sure how it was going to play out And whether he was going to make it Whether he could even fly um, Forget about even just getting up there and, get, and giving the speech And he showed up And I remember being there the day before And he was they were doing rehearsal And there's probably like 40 people total In the theater And it was just empty And he was rehearsing the speech And the beats for it And like two-thirds of the people were crying And, you know he, he It came out a little bit the last last day or so that um, I think after he gave the ESPY speech during the actual telecast, like he had to go lie down. Like he, he, he tapped like every piece of energy, but I think he understood that, you know, anyone who worked at ESPN understood from the Jimmy V legacy that you have a moment like that, how many people you can touch and how many people you can kind of inspire. And I I think that drove him, but um, that, that speech came very, very close to not happening. And, you know, it's going to end up being, I think, one of the things that people remember, especially what was the cancer line about? You don't get beat by cancer or whatever, whatever that line was. I think i I know we're going to be hearing uh, that for the next few decades. It, it,
2: it, yeah, it's how you how you live, while you live. But if you had, yeah. if you had told me on that five days before that event that he was in the hospital and wasn't we weren't sure if he was going to make it there, I would have said that whatever you have on him being there, everything was competition to him in, in a good way. Um, Like I said, like when we would have those game nights, or we'd go play pickup basketball or whatever, he was always looking to to compete. Um, That's just kind of what drove him. And I'm sure being up there on that stage last night was or that night was one of the great challenges in his in his life. And there's no way he wasn't going to meet it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know ESPN is a huge company. Obviously, has some flaws, but um, I think. One of the best things about the company is the way it rallies around people, especially people that have been there for a long time and people who have meant a lot to the company. And I th- I think what you saw the last 36 hours, I mean, it, it was it was genuine. I, I think he was one of those guys that, that did mean, that did carry the significance that you would have thought just from watching all the clips and the videos and all that stuff. Um,
2: I'm sorry you lost tell, your friend. I just want to tell a couple stories. That aren't out there, and um, you know, not many people know. But I, I just happen to know um, yeah. one when, when he when he came to Orlando. Um, again, sport being a sportscaster was what he wanted to do. Uh, he and his, his parents were living in, in either North Carolina or Chicago at the time. I think it was North Carolina. Um, before he would go on the air, he would call his dad and put the phone by the television in the edit bay, and then go do the sportscast. But that way, his dad would be able to hear him do his job, you know, and that really kind of struck a chord with me because I remember when I left WESH to go to ESPN thinking, wow, my dad's going to get to see my work now. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm sure there was a great amount of pride for Stuart when he got to ESPN. He wouldn't have to put the phone up by the television anymore. Um, Also, when we were were in Orlando, uh, the Magic were going through some pre-draft stuff the year of the Chris Webber draft, and... All the talk was that the Magic would draft Chris Weber and pair him up with Shaq, and it was going to be this great duo. So when Webber flew into Orlando for his workout session and all that, you know, all the media was there, and they might as well have thrown a prayer for for Webber. It was that big of a thing. And two or three days later, they brought in Penny Hardaway almost just because. And Stuart and our photographer, Ricky Scarwood, went out to cover it, and they got there, and the Magic didn't send anyone to pick up Penny and bring him to the arena. <laughs> And so Stuart said, come with us. And they put him in the news car with him. They asked him if he had had breakfast and he said no. And so they stopped at McDonald's and Stuart bought him breakfast. And then they took him to the arena for his workout. And of course we all know that they ended up getting hard away in that draft because how great he had performed in the famous workout. workout, Yeah. But, But that was classics too. Hey, here's a guy who needs a little help. Let me, let me offer a hand. Um, I don't know. the last one is uh, when we were in Orlando, we were driving around one day, and, and I had my Run DMC cassette playing, yes, cassettes. And Stuart asked if he could borrow it. And I said, sure, whatever, and he never gave it back. And so throughout our friendship over the 20-some-odd years, every once in a while I would just bring it up and say, hey, can I get my Run DMC cassette back? <laughs> and we'd laugh about it, and Lord knows where it went or what he did with it. Uh, but I was thinking yesterday that it would be very funny and very much like Stu, if he left it to me on his well. And, and if he did, I'll go buy a cassette player or a, cassar, a car that plays cassettes and I'll put it in and I'll, and I'll listen to it every day.
0: Stu Scott, he'll be missed. Um, I'm sorry you lost your friend. I know you guys were tight. I have not, I have not lost one of my good friends, so I don't know what that experience feels like, but I know you're bummed out.
2: And the truly amazing thing is, is, I got a two-year head start on everybody at ESPN, so I've known him longer, but I probably didn't know him best. But everybody felt like they did. You know, there's probably 5,000 people in this country who consider, maybe more, who consider him a dear friend. You know, I have maybe 25. I, I have no idea. But the fact that he made everybody feel that way is a true testament to him. And the fact that, you know, he and I could go months without seeing each other or doing anything together. But the second we did, it was like we're just flipping back to the chapter in our life that was important. And we talk about family. And, you know, everybody's echoed that, but I do want to stress that, you know, there's no greater dad than Stuart. And that's the real, the real flaw or whatever the right word is in, in all of this is that. He loved his daughters so much and did so much to give them the best life possible. And the fact that he's not going to get to see more of their lives is a real, a real tragedy. And I um, hope Sydney and Taylor know that everybody at the ESPN family always will love them and will always be looking out for them.
0: Good luck dealing with this week. Thanks for coming on. Talk to you soon. Thank you.
1: So I get the
0: sound Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at espnradio.com. Peace out. Gotta say, Golik, great call on grabbing Subway for lunch and getting guacamole on our subs.
2: Told you this
0: new guac really amps up the flavor. Yep, something adding up. Things can be great. Guacamole on your sub.
1: A new co-host to replace you. What was that? Oh, no, nothing.
0: Subway now has deliciously rich new guacamole made from ripe Hass avocados with just a hint of garlic, onion, and jalapeno. Discover how new guacamole turns up the flavor on any of your
1: freshly made favorites. Subway. Eat fresh.